It's the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Free Game on Rock 101.1, live from the Bubba's 33 at the South Plains Mall, with Pete Christie, Jarrett Johnson, Sean Dillon, and the host of the Rockin' Free Game, Jeff Scott. All right, welcome to the show, and coming up today, we'll be talking to Keith Patrick from Red Raider Dugout. Uh, Red Raider's actually getting ready to play, uh, like, about right now, uh, so we'll... Uh, Keep an eye on the Gainesville Regional today. Will the Red Raiders escape Florida? Plus, uh, former Red Raiders superstar Todrick Gocher pops by to discuss the TBT tournament and playing overseas. J.J. Colleen from Red Feather Golf and Social Club here in Lubbock pops by to talk PGA championships and a new golf course on the South Plains. Head coach Paul Gilbert and Dustin McCorkle from the Lubbock Matadors will also be joining us before tonight's game at Pirate Stadium. It is a completely packed show but first, time to take the pulse of the Red Raider Nation with our Rockin' Reality Check. All right, so we're uh, scattered all over the place. Uh, first off, uh, Keith Patrick uh, here from Red Raider Dugout. Keith, how are you today? I'm good, man. Good to see you. Yeah, trying to watch some baseball here. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> getting get ready to go with that here at uh, Bubba's 33. I noticed uh, no, no, poncho, uh, no poncho shirt or no uh, Howler Brothers shirt today so people asking can, can come and ask. they want the audio up for baseball oh okay yeah <laughs> anyway. i look i look very official no uh what well, well, you're wearing a shirt to make you look yeah. like you're a guy that's in charge of something I got a logo on. no howler brothers or poncho shirt today. no so I, I'm, I'm going fishing i'm going to montana next week so everything's right. everything's packed where are you, you know? going I'm going to Fort Smith. I'm gonna go okay. fish the Bighorn River. Okay. Yeah. Apparently I'm, in the rain. It looks like it's gonna rain all week. I'm actually uh, here mid July for me. I'll be I'll be in Montana. We're going up there for you know going to, we're going to Utah, and uh, then we're gonna go uh, you know Yellowstone and nice. all places there. Maybe do some fly fishing up there. So. I talked to a friend yesterday. He goes, man, with Yellowstone, everybody wants to go to Montana now. I was like, yeah, I'm really trying to go meet Kevin Costner. That's y- real. Yes, I, I know. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I'll just run into him somewhere. Yeah, you never know. You never know. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, uh, rock and reality check time. Listen, you're here today, and we're we're gonna coming up in our next segment. We'll talk, uh, you know, specifically some Red Raider baseball and everything. Some of your thoughts on the Gainesville Regional and all. But uh, while we're here, why don't you start? Uh, you know, it's the rock and reality check. We always start with thoughts on the, everything Red Raiders, and I know you're a particularly a Red Raider baseball kind of guy, but, uh, you know, what, what, what are you thinking here? Um, hmm. I'm thinking, what, I don't know. What are, I'm thinking a lot of things. I'm going to celebrate one thing. Braxton Fulford gets a promotion to A. There's a former That's Red Raider. Cool. That was nice. really, really cool. Yeah, I love that. Um, I'm thinking that, uh, as I always am thinking, that Texas Tech needs to figure out a way to build a baseball stadium. As right. Vanderbilt just announced crazy upgrades to their already incredible ballpark. They're adding a second deck. What? Yeah, it's wild. So Dang, uh, you're just falling behind in that arms race. There's some reality check for you. And I think that uh, I've got friends all over the state that have been kind of texting and sending pictures with uh, this this tour they're on, and they are just loving, like Joey McGuire and, and Coach McGaslin and all mm-hmm. those guys. So I think that's really cool, too, to, to see them out and about and, and Red Raiders all over the state kind of getting to know those guys. There's some good reality going on in those programs. All right, so uh, yeah, like I said, we're kind of scattered uh, all over the place today. We got Pete, who's actually uh, in Gainesville covering the uh, covering the tournament and the Red Raiders' progress there. Pete, you're rocking reality check. Well, it's uh, put up or shut up time for the Red Raiders. They've been consistently inconsistent. Had some big wins, had some tough losses, 
Uh, let's go see if they can beat the number two team in Florida. Uh, I'm excited to be out uh, in the Sunshine State to see this. And uh, got a little wiggle room. You can may have one loss. You can't have two. Uh, let's see if they can beat UConn. And then, you know, hope for the best. But if you can somehow get out of this region and then have to go to the 15 seed South Carolina, or maybe they get upset, uh, you got a chance to do some damage. So let's hope these guys can put it all together. Seven straight years under, uh, you know, Tim Tadlock going to the regionals. So I'm excited to see what they can do. And then Lubbock Matadors tonight, uh, they've been crushing it. So get out there tonight, Pirate Stadium. Uh, you got a cap for the graduates out there. Get out there. You get in for free. And uh, I just want to say in my reality check, uh, man, it was reality last week for me. I've seen a lot of big wins at the United Supermarkets Arena. Basketball. I've seen uh, Lady Raider, Lady Raiders win. I've seen volleyball. I've seen Bon Jovi there. I've seen WWE wrestling. Uh, but last Saturday night, my daughter graduated from Coronado at the United Supermarkets Arena. It's the best thing I've ever seen. It might be the best thing I ever see, but we'll see what Coach uh, McCaslin and Coach Gerlich can do in the future. But, man, it was just super awesome uh, to see a, you know, a little baby grow all the way up 18 years later and graduate. So uh, that's definitely reality check for me. All right, more from Pete coming up as he is in Gainesville following the Red Raiders uh, in the NCAA tournament here. All right, and then Jarrett, uh, we've got uh, recruiting uh, info and everything coming up from Jarrett, but Jarrett actually is, uh, he, he actually has the best gig of the week, I mean, hanging out on the beach. So uh, what's, what's your rocking reality check? Oh, well, first off, uh, you know, you got to tip the cap to Tim Tadlock, to take baseball for, you know, them handling their business in terms of getting back in the postseason, the three seed out in Gainesville. Um, you know, I, that's nothing to sneeze at. I know this program has reached a level where it's almost like college world series or bust. That's the expectation. And that's good. Uh, as the coach, as Tadlock will tell you, as any coach worth his salt will tell you his or her salt that, uh, you know, you, you want to have high expectations, but the reality of making it to the college world series, uh, you know, every season or even every other season is that's, that's crazy. Uh, they don't, hey, they have a chance. They still might do it. Um, but, uh, I think just the fact that they got to the postseason, they finished strong with a young roster. Uh, as Keith Patrick from Red Raider Dugout, uh, who's you know was on our show practically every week this time of year and does a great job. As he's pointed out, they've had a lot of injuries as well to deal with to, at uh, crucial positions. But you know, no excuses. They made it uh, back to the postseason, and, and that's huge. And you know, uh, in despite kind of falling apart there against Oklahoma State late. They did get a couple rounds deep, which was something they needed to do in the Big 12 tournament. So, you know, maybe they'll make some noise out in Gainesville. I wouldn't put it past the Red Raiders. Um, that's that's an interesting regional out there. And, uh, you know, of course, Florida, it, you know, is who they are too. But my biggest reality check in terms of sports going on right now is that, hey, you know, baseball did what they needed to in terms of uh, team sports. To me, even though I know the uh, expectations are much higher, still they showed some grit to get there, and uh, that impresses me. Uh, in terms of football and basketball, recruiting goes nonstop. Uh, we're going to talk about 
some recent news items that are positive. We're going to talk about uh, some guys I think might commit coming up on these big official visitor weekends uh, here in the next couple of weeks. And then basketball, the roster keeps coming together, and they have a couple couple of spots left, so we'll be talking about that as well. But uh, overall, pretty positive in terms of uh, reality check this week. All right. Yeah, well, it's, it's pretty positive when you're, like, you know, hanging out on the beach and uh, – enjoying the sand and surf so you know but uh, we'll get <laughs> rough uh, we'll get, life yeah, yeah i know isn't it though really we'll get jared back on here in a little bit uh, with some uh, recruiting info and so forth but uh and still to come uh in our uh, third segment of the show todrick gocher will be here to talk about tbt and uh man this is really exciting coming up this summer texas tech basketball uh, basketball fans you're going to want to uh follow this but uh todrick waiting in the wings and then also uh coming up keith patrick from red raider dugout with some thoughts on uh the the uh you know the gainesville regional that's going on in fact tech uh that game is underway right now red raiders at bat no score but yeah the game just got underway so we'll keep you posted with that as well. Yeah, I think my rock and reality check. I mean, I'm excited to see what baseball can do in this in this regional. But man, is it is it football season yet? Man, I am so ready for college football. I can I, I just I can't wait for that to get here. So really excited about Texas Tech football. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just where, I mean, I love baseball, it's all good, but, man, the countdown to football season, that's all football, I can think about. And then basketball starts, and then it's, it's Yeah, you, like, start, you start getting times, and you start feeling like, hey, now I know what my tailgate's going to look like, and right, what time yeah. of day it's going to be. Yeah. <laughs> and the one good thing is that, that all of the uh, games that they announce for TV are all later games. Three of them are home games, and there's something good about the Jones at night. Three, six o'clock or later games. That's the well, best. have those new LED lights too. You want some night games so you can, uh, you know, put the the expensive turn, LED lights to good use. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's, <laughs> that's good flashers, that works out. The flashes are going to get plenty of, of work with some Red Raider. Let's hope so. Those sure. are cool. I've seen those at. Uh, I've I've been. I guess uh, you know Oklahoma got those last last season. That's where my daughter goes to school. So we yeah. get up there to see some games. You know, you know I don't I don't love and, the flashing so yeah, much. Yeah. But I do a lot. I do. I call uh, high school football um, at. At Ratliff uh, in in Permian, you know, per, or Odessa, Odessa High, uh, when they come out in the second half, they wash the whole place red for the entrance. That's cool, like because okay, it's yeah. dark at that point. And yeah, the flashing I don't love because they usually wait till after the extra point. So <laughs> if you miss a touchdown and kick a field goal, or you miss the extra point, then they're flashing and celebrating. It's kind of weird, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like being at the club, man. They have strobe lights. <laughs> and Dan Law has the flashers. Yes, but Tim Tadlock is not going to let that happen. So that's, that's the word yeah, I heard. He, he doesn't seem like a, a flashing light kind of guy. He's, you know, the, the story I heard was cool. that, that Jace Young actually did talk him into it when they yeah. installed those. Say, hey, let's, let us try it out for, for home runs. But they went to Dallas Baptist, and they, they flashed their lights, and there was a question coming around third if a guy touched third or not and that put the doubt in Tadlock's mind like hey I don't want to be in that situation with those right. lights flashing and not able to check that on oh, replay that's, that's so not going to happen yeah that's a very good point <laughs> alright well we'll get ready to talk some Red Raider baseball with Keith Patrick more from Red Raider dugout and that is coming up in the meantime uh, it is Friday and I uh, want you to come out hang out with us here at Bubba's 33 have some lunch and watch the uh, the Red Raiders they take on UConn from the Gainesville Regional and uh, Tech actually has taken a 1-0 lead and uh, just got another uh, yeah, another base hit there. And uh, so, yeah, things looking good early on here. But uh, we'll get Keith's thoughts 
about uh, the Red Raiders and starting pitching for today and, you know, what else. Plus, Pete will uh, try to stump the dugout again. Uh, Keith, right. I hope you've done your homework here. So we got that coming up next here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame Live from Bubba's 33 on... It's the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pre-Game on Rock 101.1. Brought to you by Bubba's 33, Chrome, Mitch Hall, Chevrolet, and Signs on the Go. Texas Tech Baseball Update with Red Raider Dugout's Keith Patrick. All right, so you got the uh, Red Raiders in the Gainesville Regional playing UConn right now and out to an early 1-0 lead. Yeah. So, I mean, that's... That they, you know, first at bat and you score a run, you you gotta like the 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 way you're starting in in, in the game for sure. So yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's kind of two it's kind of two things in baseball, right? Like it's either hey, this pitcher's dealing, and after we've seen him two or three times, then you feel like you can start to get to him, or can you get to him early yeah. and keep him from settling in? And uh, yeah, you get you get a, a single from Gage Harrelson and an RBI double from Kevin Bazell to start things off. So feeling good, like hey, maybe they're seeing this guy okay. He's throwing strikes, but. Um, he relies too much on one individual pitch, you know, yeah. and, and Kevin Bazell dug out a, a nice low breaking ball and, and sent it out to the left field fence, barely missed a home run there to score Harrelson. So good start for sure. So then uh, coming up, you know, I guess Mason Molina gets yeah. the start for the uh, the Red Raiders. Thoughts on uh, on that? There was a lot of talk about who do you start, you know, and, and do you do you give Kyle Robinson or Tabor Fast or somebody else to start in the first one and try to save Molina for hopefully Florida? Really, hopefully not Florida. Hopefully they get upset yeah. by the four seed uh, and, and the Rattlers and you don't have to, to see them. But, um uh, yeah, I, I've always thought Molina is the guy to start tonight. You got to respect UConn as a team. Um, they're the the class of the Big East. They um, have a, a pretty powerful offense as far as their season goes, and we can talk all about that kind of stuff. But um, I think that the biggest thing now, looking at their lineup today, they've only got one left-handed bat. So Molina against that righty-heavy lineup is is makes total sense to me. Go out, get the win. When you're in regional play, I mean, you got to start one zero. That's that's the key. So that's what I was going to get get your thoughts on that because you know everybody. Got there's people have different opinions on you know do you try to save a guy or you know maybe you start this guy and you get something I've always I've always been the kind of person I think you go with the best you got yep. on whatever day you know I can understand that thought process more if you're the one seed which Red Raiders are used to being you've hosted a lot of regionals if you're the one you're playing a four especially if it's a four that's that's just way outmatched you know um, out of one of these very small conferences I can understand the thought process there yeah. playing a UConn. They got the Big East Player of the Year. Their coach is seeking his 700th win today uh, in his career. They've been a very good program for a long time. They're not a blue blood, but they're a very solid baseball program in not-so-solid conference, I think, is the, is the key. So, yeah, I say throw your best. Go 1-0 if you can. Uh, because, I mean, just statistically, you get too cute, you overthink it, mm -hmm. and you go throw somebody else trying to kind of game the system. Tim Tadlock's a big believer that the game will, will always get back to you. You know, it'll always come back around. And so respect the game, throw your best guy, go take care of business, and then and roll on from there. And I also think that these are guys that they're going to trust the guys they've got. You know, they're going to trust the team they've got, and they know, especially what you saw in the Big 12 tournament from Kyle Robinson and, and others, I mean, you're feeling pretty good where you're at right now on the mound. Keith, how do you like the, the matchups here for Texas Tech? UConn and then probably Florida uh, playing in the Big 12. You, you hope this team is ready to, to make a run here at this regional. Yeah, Pete, I think that 
I look at it kind of two ways as far as the matchup goes. So, you know, UConn is a good baseball team. They lead the Big East. They score eight runs a game. Uh, they've got a pretty good pitching staff. They've got a bunch of dudes that are batting 300-plus. they got one over 400. They've got three guys in double-digit home runs. But then if you kind of expand that out and say, well, let me look at what the you know the conference looks like there's only two teams in the big east that are above the 30 line in the rpi it's it's yukon and xavier from there their number three team would be at the bottom of the big 12 and everybody's way down in the rpi you've also played as more quad one games on your schedule than yukon has played quad one and two games combined so i think that's really important to think about with an 88 strength of schedule they've been pretty productive you've been more productive against better competition so still got to respect them but i like the matchup i think it's very winnable there's a little history there too you host them in a four game in 21 Mm -hmm. at dan law field um, one, I'm not going to say handily, but you did sweep them in four games. The Monday game was the first day of spring break. It was in the morning. I specifically remember it. you won in the 10th inning on back-to-back-to-back walk-off home run. Cal Conley and Braxton Fulford were two of those. Cal Conley walks it off. So a little history there. That makes it fun. But I like the matchup there. As far as Florida, probably the number three team in the SEC. They've been hot. They've got a ton of baseball tradition, been around forever. You faced them a ton, particularly in Omaha. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of history there, a lot of interest. They've got one of the most electric players in the country, Jack Caglione. He's he's playing actually starting against the four seed tonight, and so a little bit surprised. Thought they might hang on to him, but they they opted to trust their rotation as well. This guy, uh, not only is he an incredible pitcher, he's got 28 home runs this season. Probably, <laughs> probably, I mean, definitely a finalist uh, for the uh, John Olerud Player of the Year award, uh, which is the two-way player, you know. And yeah. so it's it's pretty impressive. They they're stacked. They're going to be a tough out. There's no question about it. But uh, things I agree with you, Pete. Things get very interesting if you look ahead into that next. Uh, that next level if you're able to get there and what could potentially happen. What do you think this team's mindset is now coming into this after really being in the driver's seat and all of a sudden getting knocked off the road two straight by Oklahoma State who had to play an extra game? Uh, You know, you're back zero and zero, but what do you think how they feel coming into this now knowing they can't trip up like they did at Globe Life Field? Yeah, I... I kind of try to look at all of what the Big 12 tournament was, and I think if to me it's like, hey, grit, we has it. You know, they are they are a gritty, no quit kind of baseball team, and I think that they believe in themselves right now, and I like what I'm seeing. Um, that Oklahoma win, coming back from from as far down as they were, five down or four down, whatever it was, and coming back to win on, uh, in the Big 12 tournament was a really impressive victory. A good win over West Virginia. Yeah, things got tripped up on Saturday a little bit. You're frustrated with how that ended, but competitive games, uh, particularly that last one, a very competitive baseball game. And so I think that they know what they're capable of. They know that they need to come throw strikes. They know they need to pick each other up. They know they need to get the bats rolling on the road. So I, I feel like there's a lot of confidence there, and I think that they can believe they believe they have the firepower and the pitching to do as much all the things that their goals encompass you know for them but uh, i don't think that there's a lot of negative coming out the other thing and Jarrett mentioned it too 
hey, they walked into the Big 12 tournament with work to do. I mean, they were on the bubble. They go in, get in the driver's seat, like you said, take care of business and get themselves firmly into the postseason. Um, it would have been great if they went all the way to the championship game, potentially worked themselves up to a two seed. Not really a big difference between a two and a three in a regional, though. And so I think they did what they needed to do. And, and that says a lot because you could have walked in there, gone two and Q, and been sitting home today, potentially. Right. So uh, I, I'm very impressed with the grit they've shown. Yeah, I mean, I'll try to stump you this way, future, and not go to the past of Red Raiders. Who on this team is going to get drafted and have a shot in the minors to work their way up to the majors? And is there a guy, you can say right now, he'll be playing in the majors? Oh, man. I think that you're probably your, your best draft shots right now are Brandon Beckel and Brendan Gurton would be the most that I, the two that I would see the most of this season. Um, Beckel on on a lot of potential, Gurton on kind of some tools and some development. Um, Beckel would probably be the most likely. You don't have a lot of draft guys. You're a very young team this year. Um, you may have some guys get a chance to shine, sign some undrafted kind of deals. If I looked at this team right now and said this guy can make it to Major League Baseball, um, my goodness. I, I would probably give you a Beckel on that. Um, I would also think Kyle Robinson is a guy. Just looking at the body and, and things like that and the and the arm talent, there's a real potential for him in the future. Um, and then depending on how the body development goes, um, I think Gage Harrelson is definitely a guy with those kind of tools. Just that level of speed alone is, is a big 80 tool for him to take forward. Uh, so, yeah, there's some guys. That's a good one. That's a good way to look at it. Um, you're cheating, but I, I do appreciate it. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I think you have some guys you do not have just that automatic top 10 draft pick young kind of guy right now. Um, I, I think that that there's some development to see. I mean, Josh and Jace Young both came in with those kinds of expectations. And I think you got some guys in the class next year. If you can get any of them to campus, that will be those types of guys again. So. All right. Well, as young as this team is this yeah. year. Going in, looking ahead to next year, I mean, it's speculation. You never know. But, sure. I mean, is there a chance that the team coming back next year, you could have a lot of a lot of pieces that really are back? Because the yeah. way it works these days with transfers and, right. and guys getting drafted, but as young as this team is, I mean, do you look for this to be – you know, a lot of these guys to return next year? Or what's your feel on that right now? I think so. I think that there's potentially some guys that – you didn't see a lot on the field this year that say, hey, I want to I want to move on. But then when I look at some of those, too, I, I'm wondering about some of your older guys like Nolan Hester is graduating and, and is out of eligibility, for instance. Is Dylan Carter going to go sign and try to play some pro ball? Is he, you know, what's what's his next move? What's his plan? What's the conversation with the coaches? Um, I think if you look at a young guy. Uh, that has been waiting behind somebody and you say hey this guy's moving on and there's a spot there then they're seeing opportunity and saying hey you had a development year go play your summer ball and get back and we're going to be ready to go so i look at this team as there are those places that will be opening and there'll be young guys that have not seen the field as much that will have more chances and so i think that's a positive to keep them out of the portal to some extent and then you'll have the good competition with a new class coming in and all that stuff but i very much think that this is a team at the end of next year that you could look back and say, wow, you know, 23 really set up what 24 was, you yeah. know, whatever that ends up being. I, I think this could be a really, really salty baseball team over the next couple of years. Not that they aren't always, but right. there's a lot setting up for a really strong future. 
there's a cycle to it, you yeah. know, and people, oh, we've been down. Well, I don't, I don't know if down is the right word. I, I right. agree with Jarrett. You know, it's kind of CWS or bust. But what you see about to come in and the young talent on this team, there's a real potential for a very bright next few years yeah. as you kind of trend back up on the roller coaster right. of, of recruiting. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, still one nothing. Tech leading UConn right now. Second inning. Tech is at bat right now. Yes, top of the uh, top of the second. Yep. All right, uh, Keith Patrick, Red Raider dugout. Uh, we always appreciate you dropping by to talk Red Raider baseball. And now we got a game to watch. I know here above is 33. So uh, let everybody know where they can uh, keep up with all your uh, coverage of uh, Red Raider baseball. Yeah, RedRaiderDugout.com, at RedRaiderDugout on uh, Twitter. Try to do everything we can there. It's been a busy time. So, And then, again, I'm going to Montana next week. So hopefully there's baseball to be watched and talked about again. But, yeah, uh, yeah we'll see what the weekend holds. It's always exciting. Just impressive what Tim Tadlock's done, pushing a team now seven times straight, going into a regional streak yeah. alive. And appreciate everybody's support of Red Raider Dugout. Appreciate you guys always having me on. Oh, man, we love, love you dropping by here. So it's Keith Patrick, Red Raider Dugout. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk some Red Raider basketball. You know, really, the TBT team, man, this could be exciting this summer. Uh, they put together a great team, and uh, we're going to get you updated on kind of what, what is going on with that. we got Todrick Gocher, former Red Raider, uh, waiting in the wings here above his 33 to uh, talk some TBT. And that is coming up next on the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame live from Bubba's 33 on Rock 1. It's the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame. On Rock 101.1 with Pete Christie, Jarrett Johnson, Sean Dillon, and the host of the Rockin' Pregame, Jeff Scott. All right, still to come on the show today, uh, we'll be talking some Lubbock Matadors soccer, and uh, also we've got J.J. Colleen from Red Feather Golf and Social Club popping by to talk. You know, he played the PGA Championship, too. Yep. Uh, so we'll uh, talk about what that was like and some Red Feather Golf. I know they're appreciating the rain at Red Feather right now, so uh, we'll get him on here in a few minutes. Uh, but first, Texas Tech Red Raider Basketball. All right, former Red Raider basketball great Todrick Gocher with us uh, today on the Rockin' Pregame. Todrick, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, man, no, we always like when you uh, when you drop by. And so, uh, so yeah, MVP of the CSO Voluntari team. Uh, am I saying that right? Voluntari? Yes, I didn't want to sound like I'm a Flatlander here. Voluntary, Voluntari. It is Voluntari. Voluntari, right? yes, sir. Where, where yes, sir. is that? Where? So it's in the capital of Romania, in Bucharest, Romania. Um, once I got there, I was surprised as well of where I was. But uh, yeah. amazing city, amazing country, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, what's that like? You know, when you, when you know, man, I've never, I've only been out of the country to Mexico or, you know, Jamaica, some things like that. I've never been to Europe or anywhere. But you always hear things, and always, my, my, it always makes you feel like it's dangerous over there. You know, Absolutely. that's just all you ever hear. But, I mean, what, what's it like? You're just, I'm sure it's just good people, right? Absolutely. So, for me, um, I thought the same thing. I've been to Turkey, France, uh, Greece, and I thought the same thing, thinking, okay, what am I getting myself into? Right. Should I take my family or not? But it's one of the – they're so great people. They appreciate you. They appreciate your insight and just happy to have you there. Um, yeah. So, they really take care of me. Um, it's really a – a complete life change, but um, I love it. I really do. You know, it's, it's funny because, I mean, really, all you hear, you know, things, countries around the world, you know, you hear stuff in the news all the time. They don't report any of the good day-to-day stuff. You right. always just hear the bad stuff. And there's a there's a country song that's called Most People Are Good. And, and, and I always think, you know, that I think it's true. Everywhere you go, 
just people are just trying to live their life, trying to spend time with their family, make a living for their family. They're just they're just good people. But all you hear every day is just all this bad stuff. It's cool to hear you say that though, and, and just realize that no matter where you go, just good, good folks, you know. Absolutely, just good folks. Yeah. Um, they live a slower life than us for sure, so it's beautiful though. Yeah. Well, you're going to be here this summer, I know, for the uh, TBT and uh, the the tech team that has been put together. Uh, pretty pretty incredible team. I, uh, to me, I mean, it feels like this may be the best team that Tech has been able to field so far as former Red Raiders. So you know, talk about the team a little bit. No, absolutely. Uh, I think it's uh, it'll be a great. Great group of guys, um, obviously guys that went to the uh, championship during their time at Tech and guys that um, have played and were just good in their t- So it's good to see different generations come together and complete yeah. a team. So I'm very excited to play with the younger guys uh, that went to the Final Four that, that really played under uh, – great coaches so i'm excited very excited it's like a tech dream team really you know that's kind of what it feels like from right. a fan standpoint you know i'm anxious to see you guys on the court together right it, it should be uh good to see um, a good mix of us and just to see i mean you got moretti you got kyle edwards um tyree going it's just great to be a part of it so i'm excited and um Hopefully we have a good outcome. Yeah. Well, I know you guys will have a chance probably to, to work out a little bit together and think, how hard is that? Uh, as a, you know, just a bunch of guys come in. You're all very talented basketball players, but there's be a lot of guys you have never really played together before. How hard is that to kind of get on the same page where you have that, you know, just the feel, right. the chemistry of a team like that? Right. It all comes down to just playing basketball, really. Um, we've done it all of our lives, uh, and that goes for all sports. But it's really about – Finding the personnel and just understanding what each other what each other does well. Um, so uh, we obviously I watch film. I watch these guys play, so I kind of yeah. know what they do well. So yeah. just getting on the floor with them would be a different feel. But uh, we've been doing it all all of our lives, so it, it should come together well. All right, Todrick Gocher with us on the Rockin' pregame today. Todrick, let's get your thoughts now as this basketball program moves into the Grant McCaslin era. What are your thoughts on him leading this program into the future? Oh, I'm very excited. Uh, uh, Kirby Holka did a great job of hiring him. Um, he was actually at Baylor when uh, during my time at Tech, so I, I went on visits to Baylor during my time getting recruited. So I know a little bit about him, and he's a great guy, very knowledgeable, and uh, definitely the right hire for us and should move the, the uh, program forward. I'm not really a geography buff, but can you name some of the spots you played and, and where you've been most recently? Uh, some of these countries I've never even heard of. <laughs> right. So the past two years, I was in Bucharest, Romania. Uh, I've been in Istanbul, Turkey, Cholet, France. That's where Rudy Gobert, uh, Rudy Gobert got drafted from. So, um, and I played three years in Greece on islands, which was incredible. Just to walk out, a different look from Lubbock a little bit, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was. It's always good to come back to Lubbock, but it's uh, Europe is just a beautiful place, and I really encourage everyone to visit. Hey, Todrick, I remember when you came back to Lubbock and you had some free time. You you did some camps. You went and saw kids. But then you just walked around neighborhoods and put new nets on kids' basketball hoops. I'm wondering if you've done anything like that overseas. I actually have not. Uh, Usually when I'm overseas, I'm more 
you give out more gear like shoes and uh, jerseys and basketballs because they don't have the same resources that we have so obviously in Lubbock I was uh, I went to a park and saw a young man just shooting on a goal with no net thinking that's the worst feeling ever as a basketball player so uh, I had to help just the Lubbock Lubbock out that way but in Europe it's more you know, just giving them out resources, basketball shoes, uh, basketball, just to get them started. And you see guys like Jokic playing in Europe now, dominating the game. So it's good to see it transform into more of a European game for sure. So when you're doing that, you know, and you're giving out, like I said, gear, I mean, that's what – what does it really – I mean, kind of take that for granted in the United States. I mean, basketball is just part of – you know, it's just one of the right. big sports, you know. And so over there, still a growing sport, but – what, what does that mean you know, for, for a kid when you come up, give, give them a basketball or something for the first time or shoes or, or whatever? What, what's that like? Oh, it's, uh, it's one of the greatest feelings in the world. Uh, obviously, living in America and going to Europe, you see how life is and how much we take it for granted. Going to a restaurant and just, you know, just sitting back and relaxing while there. They go. They relax a lot. They go <laughs> drink their wine. They 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 live a slower awesome. life, uh, lo- a slower lifestyle, and just enjoy life. So, uh, just giving a kid any resource to help them out. They think we're the NBA superstars, wow, which is that's cool. another great thing to see and feel. So, uh, we're very grateful. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. It's Todrick Gocher with us on the Rock and Pregame. But some of their facilities, you you uh, showed a a a video of a gym where it was raining and it was pouring into the gym. And you're just looking like, what? What the? there's nothing you can do, but, and it's pouring. Yeah. So it, it was a storm out in Greece, actually. Uh, and, you know, coming from tech, you have the great facilities, the Wumble, everything. You get, as an athlete, they give you everything in life. So then going over there as a pro, you have to restart. And one day it was just storming. Coach was like, okay. Now, we're going to have practice, but let's pray the roof stays stable. <laughs> In the middle of practice, we're, we're shooting free throws, and just one section of the, the roof just, just water just poured down, and we're like, is this serious? Like, so, um, in Europe, it's just, it's just an older, you know, they have older gyms. Nothing is fairly new, so it's... Man. So, so a couple of weeks of practice for the TBT Matadors, you know, for the Air Raiders, you know, you're going to have a little little fun being in, in the, you know, Absolutely. the Womble and then the, the USA. What does it mean for you to have the TBT hosting a regional in Lubbock? Man, that just shows how powerful uh, Texas Tech Red Raiders fan bases are because TBT likes to get it into the great fan bases in the cities that they know they would get support at. So having it here is just a dream come true for me. I feel like I'm playing at Tech again, actually. Um, so I need to check compliance if I have any eligibility left. But, uh, uh, no, it's just great. Yeah, get to, you an NIL deal, know, baby. Man, right? I, what would be your man. dream NIL deal? If you could have had an NIL deal when you were playing, what man, would it have been? I, I would be simple, just a simple Powerade deal. I'm, obviously, we got free Powerade during our time there, but just a nice, simple Powerade uh, deal to... I wouldn't be the millionaire, but this free powery for the rest of my life, I'll be okay. Nice. All yes, right, sir. so the TBT is coming to Lubbock. And what are the what are the dates there that uh, Red Raider fans can start looking forward to there? Uh, July 19th through the okay. 23rd is our first round. So, okay. uh, and the guys will start two weeks before that in the training camp. 
Man, uh, Red Raiders got to get out for that because, I, like you mentioned earlier, I mean, it really it feels like a Red Raider dream team, you know, to see all these guys coming back and you know playing together. I mean, that is that that's cool. I'm I'm really looking forward to that, and uh, we appreciate Todd Gocher, uh, former Red Raider, for being here today on the Rock and Pregame. Would you ever come back? If asked, would you would you come back and coach? I get I get that a lot actually. Come uh, on, Todrick. That's a tough question because you got to deal with guys like me. That's that's how I think. <laughs> like do I want to deal with myself as a coach. So I would though. I think I would. After I'm done playing, I would try to. What's the difference? What's the difference from players of your age to the players now? It, it's a big difference, I think. Um, I mean, these days you see a lot of transfers, which is. I mean, I think when adversity hits someone, they just think, let's go to the next school. While during my time, it was, you have to, you start from the mud and you stay there, you just have to grind through it. So um, hopefully you see a lot a lot more guys, like, stick to their schools and commit to the university. That was my biggest thing that my dad taught me, commit to the university and not coaching. So that hopefully we see more of that and see a lot more guys stick to their schools. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think. I always wonder what the, you know, there's always unintended consequences of everything, you know, and I get the NIL and why it's that way and all. But you, you, you do, I think you touch on something there that a lot of people think about that. It's like that first sign of adversity. Yeah. And sometimes, man, some of the greatest lessons you can learn in life is, is fighting through something that is hard. Right. And there's, no, there's nothing more rewarding than fighting through something that's difficult right. and coming out on the other side and going, man. I did that. Right. I mean, I, I'm capable of that, and I do. I feel like a lot of these young people are missing out on, on those opportunities. And you Absolutely. just wonder what kind of far-reaching effect does that have in their their life after sports? Absolutely, that's a big thing too. Um, obviously, during my time, being a freshman coming in to play, you're not expected to step on the floor. I mean, you may play five to ten minutes here, but I think the freshmen now they they want to play thirty to thirty-five minutes and. If they don't, they try to leave. But yeah. uh, it's a big effect on life, and I mean, those are life lessons. Those are my most valuable life lessons during my four coaches that I had in college. So yeah. just going through that really helped me out and built who I am now. Yeah, Todrick Gocher, man, it's awesome. We love when you stop by here, and cannot wait till uh, July to see this uh, Texas Tech uh, former players in the TBT. Man, that is going to be so cool. I hope. The USA is packed for that, so. man, with that crazy atmosphere that Red Raider Nation is known for. And, uh, yeah, really really looking forward to that. You only get a lot of opportunities to look forward to, you know, Red Raider basketball in July. Man. That's that's awesome, man. And hopefully uh, we won't have any, uh, you know, leaky roofs or anything. So I know. I we're think, working I think that we should for be you, good so. on that, that day. I think it'll be good. So I can't wait to get in there and have some fun. Yeah, you don't, you don't get a lot of uh, basketball rainouts, you know. So anyway. <laughs> Well, the, look at it, the look on his face, <laughs> it was just like, what? what? Yeah. No, man, man it's anytime you're, uh, you know, you're around, man, we love to love to catch up with you. And uh, But, man, we'll be there in, in July to, to watch TBT. Absolutely. So, uh, Todd here, everybody. So, uh, nice golf clap there for Todd. <laughs> yes, yeah, speaking of golf, we got J.J. Colleen waiting in the wings here at Bubba's 33. Uh, he played in the PGA Championship. Uh, some of his thoughts about what that was like. And uh, we'll also talk, you know, he's the pro out at Red Feather Golf and Social Club. And, uh, you know, just what an amazing golf course. If you follow anything with golf, I'm sure you know all about Red Feather. But uh, we'll get with J.J. Colleen coming up here in just a few minutes on the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame Live from Bubba's 33 on Rock 1. 
is the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on Rock 101.1. Brought to you by Chrome, Standard Sales, B-Equipment, and the Texas Cafe. It's the Rockin' Interview. All right, we are joined today in the Rockin' Pregame by J.J. Colleen. And, uh, you know, if you follow golf at all, you know, J.J. is involved with Red Feather uh, Golf and Social Club and, uh, you know, club pro out there and a Coronado grad. When did you graduate from, uh, from Coronado, J.J.? So in 2000, I uh, graduated, moved here from California in about my junior year of high school, so finished up there, and we won the state championship and uh, been uh, really good memories there. Honestly. Yeah, so that's yeah. Cool. So you're, you're born in San Diego, right? That's right, yeah. That is one of my favorite places in the world. I love San Diego. Did you grow up near the beach, or did you hang out much at the beach when you were there? Uh, I mean, we went there We went there a fair amount, but probably like 10 miles away. I mean, yeah. L- Lubbock is kind of like the San Diego of Texas, so it's very. it was an easy transition for me when I came here. The Super San Diego easy. of Texas. I, I like that. that. Yeah. You like that? Yeah, it's perfect. I always wonder, you know, it's like when you, when you don't live near the beach, and you get to go visit the beach. I mean, you're 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 down there, and you're thinking, "Oh man, this is the greatest thing ever." Uh, ever. But when you live that club, I mean, do you just kind of take it for granted? I mean, yeah. I mean, you kind of do. When you go back, obviously, just like the views and seeing it all the time. It's you know, it's, I have young kids now, so they love just hanging out there playing. When I was a when I was younger, you'd go there all the time, kind of yeah. do whatever. But then you get the stereotypes. Like I moved here in high school, people are like, "Yeah, you surf, bro." I'm like, I mean, y'all, everybody ride horses to school, or I mean, like. <laughs> I mean, totally, totally different. There's, yeah. you know, 50 million people there in, in that state, and I don't know how many are in Texas, but pretty close to that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, you take it for granted. You take you take a lot of things for granted. I've been able to, to travel to a bunch of different places all over the world, and I've gotten older, like more mature when I'm there for golf-related stuff. It's all business trying to get relate, you know, trying to get dialed for an event, and I'm like, man, I wish I would have. Uh, I wish I would have gone and seen, you know, these sites or whatever yeah. historic things around town, but. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, we're glad to be in, in Lubbock and, and open this new golf course, Red Feather Golf and Social Club, and it's yeah. going to be great. So uh, we, I know you played in the PGA Championship here recently. Yeah. We'll get to that here in a minute. But just how did you – do you remember you know, getting your start in golf? Was that in San Diego, the first time you ever played golf? Do you remember? Sure. So every uh, – so on Sunday morning – Probably when I was like seven, me, my dad, and my grandpa would play San Diego Country Clubs for our members there, kind of really close to Mexico, kind of south side of San Diego. And we'd like do sweep, which means, you know, first first group off, basically. So we would uh, we play every Sunday and in the summer when I wasn't in school. I'd, I'd sign up for events and stuff, but my dad basically taught me how to play. He was a, he was a good player. Um, and I really didn't have kind of a formal lesson until I was 15 or 16. But when I was young, yeah, I mean, we went all over. I was in tournaments for playing for, like, the young junior USA team in Japan. And uh, we went to Ireland when I was young, like, all over the place. So golf has is, is, uh, kind of kind of opened all these doors where I can travel yeah. all over the place. It's been cool, really cool. Yeah, you know, I love to play golf. And uh, I'm, I'm one of those guys that plays golf with the hope of breaking 100. So yeah. it, it gives you an idea that the, the, the brand of, the exciting brand of golf that, the, that I bring to the table. But, yeah. but I remember when I first started, I had my, my older cousin, we'd go out and, and play. He played in all the junior tournaments and stuff. A lot of people know him. My, my cousin Dale Ansel, he's a South Plains electric guy here. If you're around Lubbock, you probably know Dale. But he was so much better than me in golf. And I used to get so mad because he could hit it far and straight. And, and I, would, I, I would hit it and kind of bounce it down the fairway. And we'd go out and play with my granddad. He would say, all right, Jeff, run up there and hit it again. 
they'd get in the cart and, and be way down the fairway. And I'm running. I couldn't. I, I couldn't hit far enough. You can get in the cart, man. And just run up there and hit it again. That's my earliest memories of golf, and and it's. I, I don't play too much different from uh, from that now. So that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what you teach like beginners and kids. It's like hit it and go find it, basically. Yeah. And if you can't find it, drop one and go again. Like, yeah. I mean, play well and play fast, and play horrible, play faster. Right? Like that's that's like the ticket for beginners. We watch all these pros like grinding it out, and then amateurs try to replicate it. And I'm like, you guys are horrible. You're taking more <laughs> shots, and you're taking a long time. Like, get out there. And but that's that's what was cool. I was fortunate enough to play the Byron Nelson in the PGA Championship here the last uh, several weeks. And uh, man, it's it's a, it's such a cool uh, experience watching all those guys. It's such an international game now. You know, from all over the world, and just watching guys prepare, get ready. You just appreciate the commitment of what it takes to kind of compete at that. I mean, PJ Championship, that level is crazy. So, yeah, and you were like the uh, the top money earner on the Nationwide Tour back in 2011. Yeah. You know, when you got to that level of golf, what what was the, I mean, to be the, the top money winner, you obviously did well there, but when you first started on that Nationwide Tour, you know, the level of competition, uh, what what was that like from your like, confidence standpoint, even, sure. you know, playing with guys like that? Weekend no, with it, it's good. I mean, it's hard to compare it to other sports. I mean, I guess you can say baseball-wise. We're watching baseball right now, uh, you know, triple-A maybe for for but but it's 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 even tougher than that because there's only kind of two levels and if you're on nationwide tour you got to go through q school all the stages four stages you you know people wonder how you turn pro or whatever and get on a good tour you pay like six grand got to go through four stages and finish in the top percentage of each one to even be able to play in that and then you kind of go to the pga tour um but it's it, it was awesome it got me into every single event on tour the next year and uh you know i played all right made probably like 17 cuts and i've been able to play some pj tour events between now and then but uh my main focus now i'm running the operations and director of golf at it at, at red feather here in uh in lubbock yeah yeah red feather a lot of people follow golf around lubbock you, you definitely have heard about red feather a lot of excitement about that opening so so you must be excited with all this rain going on you have that that holding pool sure. that pond and you must be like sitting here going great i don't have to I'm not going to have to worry about paying for water for the next yeah. next year or so. <laughs> so, you know, obviously water, golf course, you know, when you design a course, you need you need water and you need to get rid of water. Like those are two things, and it's, and it's important. And nothing's better than rainwater, as, you know, all farmers and everybody would tell you, the best kind of water in the world for turf. And we've engineered, uh, you know, Red Feather and, and our guys at, at you know, Garrett and Brad Ralston has spent an enormous amount of time putting the, and money putting the project together. It's phenomenal, but our rainwater retention is hundreds of millions of gallons, and you know we have enough to water the course for for years just from just from rainwater. And we have you know there's access to wells, annex to the city, stuff like that. But if you can use rainwater to make sure your your project and turf conditions are amazing, that's that's what we're able to do out there. Yeah. So now you uh, so you club pro at Red Feather. Uh, and but you're also you know you had the opportunity to get it. You played your way into the PGA Championship here a few weeks ago, and uh, man, what what was that experience like playing in a major? It's it's awesome. You know my uh, my kids when I back when I was playing full time like every single week on the PGA Tour. My son wasn't born yet. He's eight now, and my daughter was twelve. And my son just basically thinks I'm like fake news, not even a real person, like gonna play pro golf and then kids, man. <laughs> take him to a PGA tour event, like to see it, they think that's cool, but when you're competing in it, they're like, Oh my dad, my dad doesn't suck. Like he just he's, he's not he's not making stuff up like he like he always does. But and uh, 
Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, he was. They did a little interview with him on ESPN and a bunch of other things, and he loved it. My 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 daughter and, and, and wife. I mean, it's it's special for her um, to go out and kind of see, watch the kids like react to it, and especially something like that where there's you know I don't know I mean five hundred thousand people or whatever there for the week watching is pretty pretty cool experience, and they can see that I I use. I mean, I can still play a little bit, obviously, playing in that, yeah. but they, they know that I wasn't at least uh, making stories up the whole time. Yeah. It's J.J. Kling with us so the Rockman pregame. What's, so when you play in a major, you know, I can't even imagine what, I mean, gosh, playing the PGA, I can't imagine that. But getting into a major, you know, you got all the, you know, the best players are playing, and, and how do you, do, do you get nervous, or do you feel anything different? In, or, it just, or do you just look at it, it's just another round of golf, I see how I do. What was it, what was it like in mindset-wise? I mean, you know, I, I think even the best guys in the world will tell you they try to stick to the same routine, but it, it's not the same. Like, it's busy and crowded, and, and for me, it's totally different, because I don't do that every week. I was super fortunate to win our PGA section for Texas in North Texas and get into the Byron Nelson the week before, which is a... PJ Tour events, so some, yeah. you know, greatest guys in the world playing in that, and at least I was able to get playing that beforehand. Um, it didn't didn't play bad, ended up missing the cut there, but you know, it's it's such a different element to the PJ Tour than anything else. It's hard to prepare for it. Like tournament golf is hard to simulate when you're practicing at home, especially me because I'll take a car, drink some beers, like can't quite do that at the PGA Championship. I mean, <laughs> won't last won't last very long. Yeah. Um, but you know the be- the best guys they have pretty pretty dialed routines like they have they travel with I call them entourages but it's really not it's people to try to help their game and you know it'll have like they'll have like a chef and a swing guy and a workout guy and then their manager coordinating and stuff so they can pretend to only focus on golf but they just know the importance of the major in general and then after all that they can maybe think about the money coming down the stretch, but they really, they really don't. At that point, they're trying to win. But yeah, they're playing for 25 million bucks in these things. You know, small ones now are like 10 million dollars. It's crazy the amount of money. And, and obviously, live golf plays for a lot of cash too. Yeah. That's in pro golf these days, and it's 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 fun to see really because um, it's uh, it's kind of dialed up with every other sport now. Yeah, it's funny. You know, you think about how. Uh, you know, when you're just playing golf, just a regular guy like me going out and playing golf, you know, I got an opportunity, I'm sitting there thinking, man, if I, man, if I can make this putt, I'm yeah. going to break 100. And the pressure of that is incredible. I can't imagine what it must be like having to make a putt for money. It's, yeah, it's, especially, you know, when it's your job or livelihood. The, the good news is the good guys don't think about that at all. The bad guys pro- probably do. <laughs> but, yeah, I played with Shuffler and, and uh, Sam, you know, Sam Burns, Tom Kim, all these guys have practice rounds. My buddy Hoagie went to TCU where I went. And, um, yeah, dude, they, they're just so used to doing that every single week in, week out. And there's all these people out there. And, and uh, it's like Tiger used to say with guys that, that played with him, you know, Tiger was like, man, you have nothing to be worried about. Don't worry. They're, they're here to watch me, not you. So, don't, don't. <laughs> so you're at Club Pro at Red Feather, sure. and one of the big stories of the PGA Championship, obviously, was Michael Block, who's a, a Club Pro out in California. And, man, everybody enjoyed you know, watching him and, and what he did and then that hole-in-one. Yeah. Uh, 
pretty incredible. What was it like as a fellow, you know, like a guy who's a club pro and, and all? And it was, was that kind of a cool moment for you to watch him and how successful he ended up being there? Yeah, it is. He's a good he's a good dude. He had a magical week, and he'll tell you that. And uh, played Colonial the next week, but great, great guy. And, you know, club pro, there's 29,000, like, PGA professionals, not PGA Tour, club pros. And it's it's special, man. I'm, I mean, it, you know, at Red Feather Golf and Social Club, Brandon Veld is our head pro. I'm director of golf, so we have... You know, we have some guys that can play out there, play with the members, teach the game, all those things. And um, we're excited to bring this product to Lubbock. I mean, I was in Rochester, and I don't know, it's maybe about the size of Lubbock, maybe a little bigger. And there are four clubs, like, touching each other, really elite clubs. And they all kind of not competed against each other, but they bring, like, a great style of golf. So the more the more high-quality golf we can bring here to Lubbock and the more that we can showcase the project, project bring yeah. people around. We have national members from all over the United States. I think it'll be really special. Yeah. How has the game changed from when you played to now, and how has the development of Red Feather been tailored to kind of discourage some of the uh, oh, yeah. the, the advances in, in golf technology. So, so like tech, like guys hitting it farther or whatever. I mean, you know, at Red Feather, we were, Red Feather is about on 133 acres, which is relatively small, 135 maybe for a golf course in general. But it's not small if you can utilize, you know, all of the land like we did. Some people are in mountains, ravines, whatever, where you can't do stuff. So it's engineered to retain all this rainwater for perfect uh, turf conditions. But also, I mean, we have a whole, we, I think we have the longest hole in the state. We got a par five that's 721. But two, two holes after that, we have one of the shortest par threes from the back around where it can play, you know, under 100 yards. So um, it's engineered for, for different things like that. But the course is really playable. It's not supposed to be this impossible course no one can play. Depending on your skill level, you can move it. You can move it all over and the grass conditions have changed the innovation zoysia um, that we have it's engineered it's like great conditions all year triple seven bent garrett hole came from shady oaks our super and brad is making sure that you know course conditions are a premium for us around here and it'll be awesome and the pro game itself there's so many more there's so much more data and analytics where you know it's a practice like someone can be hey I, i'm a great putter and I'm horrible with the driver, and you can like pull up stats. I'm talking tour guys, amateurs, probably horrible at everything. But I'm talking tour guys, they pull it up and be like, actually, it's the opposite. You need to practice on, you know, A, B, and C, and you know what to do. There's metrics for speed, and there's different machines you can wear for wrist angles and hip speed, and all these other things that gets, get kids to improve uh, a lot quicker now. And, and it's all technology based, but not necessarily like hard goods, clubs. It's more, you know, analytics data and body rotation. Stuff. So when when will the club be open for play? When, when soon. You soon. keep saying soon. Well, I mean, unfortunately, we're outside, so Mother Nature has a lot to do with everything. And I, I know it's 75 degrees with sun every day in Lubbock and no wind. But some, you know, contrary to popular belief, we have we have occasional days where we get wind and dust and excessive rain and stuff like that. And our guys are, are busting it right now to get it done. So we probably have 10 acres or so of turf left, which is wow. like two holes, which isn't a lot. So the turf comes from a refrigerated truck from really all over the U.S. Um, and we'll be done with the sixth hole and then we have to finish one. So we'll be completely done probably in the next 10 days with the turf. And we just have to wait for the for the final green. So, you know, this summer it'll be in great shape and we'll be playing some golf out there. Nice. And we're in the summer, so that's soon. I don't, there yeah, you go. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Soon, soon. Yeah. All right.
No, it's it's been fun to keep up with it though, and I've, I I know a lot of people anybody that plays golf, you know, around Lubbock, there's always a fascination with, you know, you guys are on social media all the time with the you know the flyovers, I guess with a drone or something. You're seeing the holes and yeah. seeing the whole thing come together. I've driven by there several times to just go out there and look, and man, this thing's gonna be awesome, you know. So uh, that's a that's a great. Uh, I mean, for a, for a course of that that kind of quality. In, in in Lubbock, I mean, I think that's that's really cool, and that that just helps it just probably gain more interest for golf in Lubbock. For sure, I mean, you know, Red Red Feather GC is all of our socials, and then RedFeatherGC.com, and you can leave a note there if you want information regarding the club membership, all those things. Um, but it's it's a it's kind of a smaller membership with a national component too for people all over the United States. But the course is the course is great, and it's obviously going to be a full country club when we're done with everything and social club we call it. It's you know we have there's really no dress code wear a t-shirt we don't care i mean we want people to enjoy themselves when they're out there because that's what they're spending money to do with, with great great course conditions so i think everybody's really really excited about it and uh south side of town you know we haven't had a golf course the raw is obviously on texas Tech campus but before the Rawls, man i don't even know when the last golf course was built here Right yeah. before I was born, I'm 41. I don't even yeah. know, but a long, a long time. Yeah, as far as a new course, yeah, yeah that's yeah, that's so, been a long time, yeah. So it'll be it'll be really excited to get everything up and running out there, and, and uh, it's looking good. All right, JJ Colleen uh, dropping by the Rock and pregame today, man. Good luck with it, and uh, man, enjoyed talking some some golf with you there. For sure, thanks yeah. for having me on, guys. All right, man. Uh, we come back here. It's going to be time to talk some Lubbock Matador soccer. Coach Paul Gilbert uh, here with us, uh, waiting in the the facto green room which is actually just a couple of seats down from uh, on, the, on the table here from us we don't really have a green room but it sounded kind of impressive i guess but uh but uh, coach paul gilbert with us coming up next here on the red raider outfitter rock and pregame live from bubba's 33 it's the red raider outfitter rock and pregame on rock 101.1 with pete christie jared johnson sean Dillon, and the host of the rock and pregame jeff scott Man, we're covering it all today. Baseball, football, we got golf, we got soccer. I mean, it's it's we're all over the place. Uh, by the way, Texas Tech in the Gainesville Regional in baseball still leading one nothing. It is top of the fifth. Tech at bat right now, and uh, Coach Paul Gilbert from the Lubbock Matadors uh, taking some time with us today on the Rock and Pregame. Coach, welcome to the show once again this week. Yeah, thanks. Good to be back at our at our normal time. Love it. Yeah, no, man. It's I, I think you guys are uh, playing tonight. It's Fort Worth, the Fort Worth Vaqueros, and hopefully weather uh, you won't be be an issue. Can do you play in the rain or or what? Is, you know, soccer. What can you can you play in the rain or is that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I think rain is is not a problem. I think when you have start having lightning, that's, yeah, that's that close enough. That's when uh, that's when you start looking to to pause the game or postpone or whatever. But I th- hopefully we'll be good tonight. So so uh, Matadors come in tonight. This game against Fort Worth. I mean, it's fourth place, sort of. I know there's points and wins and ties, and I don't totally I don't even pretend to totally understand. <laughs> How that works in in soccer, you know. You know, I've told you before. I'm I'm kind of a work in progress yeah. when it comes to comes to learning. But for anybody like me who doesn't totally get it, it's not just simply wins and losses like most major sports. I mean, how, the points. How how does that work? How's that all come into play there? Yeah. So ultimately, you're trying to accumulate the most points uh, by the end of the year, and whoever has the most points wins the league. Okay. Um, you get three points for a win, one for a tie. So really. Standings throughout the year are 
are not really indicative of what's going on because you could have one team that's played six games and one team that's played three and they're tied on points. Well, uh, obviously the team that's only played three has much more opportunity to gain points moving forward. So for us, the, the standings are, they are what they are. I don't even look at them, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm sure people and supporters are aware, but for us, it's just every game, can we get three points, and then can we accumulate as much as we can uh, by the end of the year? All right, you know, we got uh, Pete uh, is on the road in Gainesville, actually watching some Texas Tech baseball, but taking a, taking a moment here, uh, we, Pete always has, Pete, Pete's always full of questions, you know, Pete? Hey, Coach, looking back at this Central Texas game, I mean, you weren't playing just a bunch of kids to get seven goals in a game. That's got to really pump you and this team up. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty happy with the performance uh, last last Saturday. Obviously, no matter who you play in this league, I think is going to be a difficult game. And so scoring seven goals was really, really important to us. Uh, more importantly, I thought we, we showed the depth of our roster. So we had quite a few guys who had been starting and playing that, that, weren't, that weren't even on the trip. And then we had quite a few guys who had you know, gotten into some good fitness and had come back from injuries. And I was just really happy with, with the group and the fact that we could make all those substitutions and not miss a beat and uh, put up seven goals. That was that was really good. So when you look at the, the comparison of, like, this team versus last year's team, when, they, you know, that was year one, you get that team together. This year, you know, you kind of mentioned depth and stuff. Is, is that yeah. Would that be something that you think is maybe the biggest difference in this team, or is there something else that... Yeah, I mean, I think learned experiences are the biggest difference, right? Like, we, we came into year one, we had nothing to pitch people, we had nothing to sell uh, other than this concept, this idea that we thought would catch on, but we weren't sure. So, um, you know, that, that, that makes your first experience is, is going to be a learning experience, and from that we've learned quite a bit. And one of those things is the roster and how important it is to have a really solid pool of players who are going to be there for the majority of the summer because sometimes these these things can get awkward in the summer with oh i need to go here and do this or i want to take this week and do that and for us we we just wanted a group of guys who are dedicated to the club dedicated to the city and then obviously their own personal development and i think top to bottom we've brought in guys who fit that who want all those things and i tell you man training is com as competitive as I've ever seen it. I mean, I, I think I've went through three different lineups for tonight's game throughout this, this week based on guys' performances and training. And so uh, all the players know that. You come to training, you train, you compete, and you take care of your business, and hopefully that lands you in the 18. And one of the things that you said before the game in, in the locker room to your players was don't miss, uh, don't miss this opportunity to make an impression in front of these fans. And they took that to heart. I mean, in the last home game, they came out, and the, the energy that you had post-game was just incredible. Why is this fan base so important for you and so different than from anything else? I mean, the, the game that I saw in you know, the, the last game where there were, what, 30, 40 fans in total? Yeah. Yeah. Um... So I think what makes this our, our fans special is we have a group called the Mozos who have a recognition of soccer culture and, and supporters groups and soccer fandom, meaning they understand the, the different elements of being a supporter that make 
the event special. So whether that's the drums, whether that's the chanting or the banners that they create, it's really a lot of effort on their part. And um, I think that's what makes it really special because it's one thing to have friends and family in the stands. It's another thing to have supporters who have no real like personal connection or relation to you, but they love the club. And I think that's what that's what makes it special. And those guys, if you're part of the club, they're with you. If you're on the field, they're with you. And uh, I think that's really, really special. Hey, Coach, we've talked that, you know, some people have never even heard of the Lubbock Matadors. And here you are now, second season, off to a 2-0-1 start, uh, crushing it. What do you want to say to some folks who just – flipping the dial they're listening here to the rock and pregame show to get them to come out tonight 7 30 you wear your cap all these graduates all these schools you get in free bring your parents bring your friends what can you say coach when you're taking on fort worth tonight to get people to have their face in the place it's going to be amazing yeah i think two things the first thing is it is an event it's more than just a soccer match it's an event with with things for everyone from the avid su soccer supporter to the family of four who, who knows nothing about uh, soccer. The second piece is it's exciting because we play exciting football and we're going to attack and we're going to press and it, there's going to be lots of those ooh and ah moments uh, as opposed to uh, some, some soccer gets a, a rap for being boring because they sit back and defend or they're slow in possession. and. And we're not that. It's it's an exciting time, and once you get there and you get into the match, you you'll you'll feel that energy. Coach, what was it like this week getting to coach some younger players? I know you had a camp this week, and that had to be awesome. Yeah, obviously, I've said this time and time again. Our number one priority is our relationships uh, with the community and our connection with young people. We we want to inspire the younger generation. That that's. That's a huge part of what we do, and so camps is, is a big part of that. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing for me to be able to step back and watch these players interact with young people because, you know, some, some of these players, they don't get that very much, whether they're in school or have full-time jobs. They don't get the interaction with a lot of young kids, and it's special to see them, th those aha moments that click of like, oh, what I say to this kid matters. How I treat them matters. And if they have a good experience at Lubbock Matador soccer camp, who knows what, what that could bring to them in terms of not just soccer, but their confidence and their outlook on different things in life. So um, I think that, that it's been really special, and hopefully we can keep that going throughout the summer. So talk about tonight's game. What do we need to know about the Vaqueros? What do they have? You know, you, you say not to, to ignore the table and ignore the standings, but why are they a, a team that, that you're going to have to have full focus on tonight? Yeah, I think, um, you know, they they were, they kind of re reloaded last year a little bit or, or with a new, new coach who's back again this year. He's a fantastic manager, a great football guy. And now, now they're kind of, they're kind of catching their stride a little bit. They've got, I think, two two wins in their last three, and uh, they had a great win the other night. And you know, they they definitely pose some threats going forward. They've got some wingers who I think are are pretty talented players, and they can burn you. Like if you make mistakes, they're going to score. And they proved that last year. They're proving that again this season. And um, yeah, I think it'll be an exciting an exciting match. Well, you don't have much problem because Sam Gomez has been playing absolutely incredible. 
one goal per per game only allowed. And, uh, you know, a couple of them were on counterattacks where, you know, yeah. there's nothing he can do. What's so special about what S- Sam is able to do in goal as not only just one of the senior leaders of this team, yeah. but, you know, the, the, the man where if he makes a mistake, you know the team pays yeah i think sam has a very clear understanding of of the attention to detail and the attention to every action throughout his his day throughout his life that affects his consistency on the football pitch and you know obviously his brother is a professional and i i just think his awareness of these are the things i do every single day this is how i act this is how i lead allow him to just play and be free and make timely saves make saves you should make make one or two that you're like oh my goodness that that <laughs> amazing um and he his success is is straight from his dedication to his craft absolutely 100 percent. the guy works he's consistent in his training he shows up every day and then you you see his success on the field the head coach paul gilbert from lubbock matadors ahead of their game tonight uh, against Fort Worth Vaqueros. So, what's the importance from the Laredo and Brownsville tie? Uh, you know, how does how does the way the schedule was made up help the Matadors when it comes to that? Yeah, I mean, the schedule is what the schedule is. I, I tried to convince myself of that last year, and um, <laughs> you, you just gotta you just gotta roll with it. And so, obviously, anytime really good teams lose points, so Laredo and Brownsville are both very good teams, and. I anticipate them both to be fighting for the championship or the top four. Anytime those guys lose points, that's that's a good thing for for the rest of us who are trying to be in that conversation. And so, you know, I think, uh, yeah, it's it's great. Some sometimes you want teams to lose all three. Sometimes you're like, oh, if they just split, so both lose two, you know. But but in the end. It just comes down to winning games and getting points. Like, it's going to come down to the end of the year. There's going to be five or six teams all all sitting in that top six and able to, to kind of move back and forth from one to six. And so, you know, I, I, I'll just be honest. I don't really pay too much attention to uh, the games outside of who we're going to play coming up. Just uh, as a point of focus, we're, we're clearly focused on the ne- next match. We're clearly focused on ourselves and how we can continue to improve and uh, develop over the summer. All right, so uh, tonight, yeah, it's fourth, Vaqueros. 7.30, Lubbock Cooper Pirate Stadium, where the games are being played this year. And, uh, you know, always I figure every week, you know, you got more and more people that are just kind of catching on and going, hey, that sounds fun. I think I'd like to check that out. Yeah. How'd they get tickets today? Yeah, so you can go to lovingmatadors.com. You can walk up at the at the game. Um Obviously, Friday night in Lubbock, hopefully the weather uh, cooperates and some of these storms pass us by, which I think they will. And it's going to be a great, cool night, and I think uh, it'd be a lot of fun to come out. All right, get out there for the match tonight. Head coach Paul Gilbert, and uh, good luck tonight. And, uh, yeah, get another Matadors victory. Some more points, yeah, right? Yeah, all let's right. Hope so. Points. Three yeah, points. Points. All about those points, Three man. Three points. All right, coach, thanks for dropping by, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, all right? Thank you. All right, coming up next here on the Rock and Pregame, Jarrett, who's, uh, you know, I told you we we're kind of scattered all over the place today. Jarrett's actually hanging out at the beach this week. He has a really tough gig, Sad. but uh, thank goodness for cell phones. But, uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get with Jarrett. Inside the Red Raiders recruiting, get some updates on football. He got a uh, 
uh, some big weekends coming up, uh, Junior Day and so forth. So we'll get all updated on that. Zach Lulitich with a, uh, a double. Uh, yeah, sorry, watching the game here. Bub is 33. Texas Tech, the Gainesville Regional. So, uh, so yeah, what do we got? Uh, Tech is up 3-0 right now, top of the fifth. Two outs, but Tech has two on. And uh, so, so far, so good, man. Red Raiders uh, looking good early on here. But, uh, yeah, we'll get some uh, recruiting updates coming up next here. Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame Live from Bubba's 33. It's the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame on Rock 101.1. Brought to you by Bubba's 33, Wiley Implement, Pete's Tires, and Chrome. Inside the Red Raiders Recruiting with Jarrett Johnson. All right, I know you're on the beach today. I mean, literally on the beach. That doesn't mean unemployed. You're literally on the beach, Jarrett. But uh, Stop taunting him. Yeah, well, yeah, taunting, heck. Taunt me. I'll go to the beach next week. But uh, who are the players that are coming in this week that the Red Raiders might be able to get to commit? There's two guys, and they're both four-star. They're both composite, which means the average of all the recruiting ranking services, us, ESPN rivals, everybody, um, you know, are four-star guys that I think – might commit, um, and the first one I really feel like Tech has a great chance with uh, is Peyton Morgan, uh, safety out of Pflugerville Weiss. I've mentioned him on the show in weeks past, but uh, you know he has uh, multiple offers, 18 reported offers, many of them from Power Five schools, uh, Arizona, Arizona State, Baylor, Nebraska is really in there. Uh, Coach Matt Rule, his staff are recruiting him uh, really hard, and but Texas Tech's been on him since before. I don't think I may have uh, may I may have created his recruiting profile. And now he's a four-star guy, uh, but when Tech was on him early, uh, there really wasn't a lot of other other schools out there on him, uh, and he's blown up now. He's uh, ranked as top 55 player in Texas, which that's huge. That used to be the top guy on your commit list if you're Texas Tech, uh, number 32 safety in the country, and 317th nationally overall regardless of position 6'1", 175 has good cover skills uh, but Peyton Morgan's also uh, you know, a physical player I love his highlights um, of, of the way he runs the alley and uh, I mean ball carriers receivers they stop uh, when he gets to them had 85 tackles the tackle for loss and 5 interceptions in 9 games as a junior last year he's also of course fast he's a track athlete um, which this yeah, Joey McGuire, James Blanchard, this coaching staff really values. So I really like Peyton Morgan. The second guy, I think, is also visiting um, coming up here June 9th through 11th that I think, and this isn't limited. I mean, Tech might get other commits. I just These are two guys I've really been focusing on and uh, been talking to a lot and who I think Tech has a really good shot with. But the second guy is offensive lineman. Uh, Ellis Davis. He projects as an offensive tackle at the next level. He's from Prosper, Texas. 6'6", 260. He's visited Texas Tech several times, just as Peyton Morgan has. Like I said, he's a four-star guy, ranked uh, 42nd in Texas, regardless of position, the number 21 offensive tackle, and uh, 221st nationally, regardless of position, by the uh, 247 Sports Composite. Now, he... um, Actually, yeah, and going back real quick to Peyton Morgan, he's uh, visiting Nebraska this upcoming weekend, so that's something to watch. Um, but then visiting Tech on the ninth, and likewise, Ellis Davis uh, is visiting Stanford this weekend. 
uh, and then before going to Tech, and he has another official visit set up uh, for TCU on June 16th. So, I mean, that's who I would watch in terms of main competition. But Ellis Davis has 24 reported offers, so a lot of competition for him. But uh, he really likes the staff. He really likes Texas Tech. Um, and, you know, I think the Riveters have a great chance, especially, you know, he's going to Stanford. Let's hope he does end up coming uh, to Texas Tech for that for that visit because, uh, you know, sometimes they shut it down if they go out there and they get blown away on a, on a specific uh, official visit. So he comes out to Lubbock for that official on June 9th. I think the Riveters have a, have a great chance with him. All right, talking some uh, Red Raider recruiting with Jared Johnson inside the RedRaiders.com, 24-7 Sports. Where are the holes that need to be filled in this class, do you think? I don't know if they look at it as holes, but, uh, you know, it's going to be a smaller class because the roster has been developed. As McGuire said, you know, like they took 25 guys and then several transfers, and who they're continuing to add to, by the way, for, for just next season. But, um, you know, he said it's going to be considerably smaller. So they're looking for just really good football players. I mean, Micah Hudson, five-star, you know, they call it five-star pluses when you're as highly ranked as Micah Hudson. Top 10 national player regardless of position. I mean, obviously they really like him. Ashton Belta-Roman is another four-star receiver. He's a four-star receiver. Another guy coming in that weekend. They're looking for, they have a certain requirement in terms of speed, um, body frame, like a body type. And then they look for guys who love to compete. I, I think they do. And this is something actually the previous staff, uh, coaching staff did as well. They like multi-sport athletes who like to compete um, and guys who like football that have a strong work ethic. So, you know, it's really a formula they have that they go to right now other than just position. I mean, obviously they've been targeting offensive line. They already have three commits. And they still have uh, at least five, if not six more offensive linemen coming in these two weekends. So that's a position that they, you know, McGuire said over and over again that it's a very important position. That's something that they're going to recruit heavily every cycle. So I think, you know, the trenches, they look for playmakers, um, you know, on the outside. And then defensively at the second and third levels, they look for speed. I mean, we had McGuire on a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about the speed at linebacker. You know, guys running for West Kitley uh, on Tech's, you know, nationally relevant track program. So, I mean, they look for speed and violence and certain measurables and then a mindset of, of competition in, in terms of uh, guys they want to add to the roster. All right, it's uh, Jared Johnson. Uh, he's live from the beach here on Rock 101. So, uh, Tech also has two Louisiana track state champions to the commit list. But uh, backtracking a little bit, the uh, quarterback from this class made the Elite 11 finals. So what's so special about Will Hammond? And his, is he you know, going to be the uh, QB for 2025 on? Or could it be a quarterback debate with uh, Jake Strong? I mean, a quarterback's hard to evaluate in terms of like knowing for sure. You have Jake Strong in there right now who just – just signed. He was an early enrollee of the 23 class. Um, so he'll be in the mix. Baron Morton is going to be, he still has a couple years of eligibility left. So you would think he's the next guy after Tyler Shuck leaves. Um, but Will Hammond's, uh, Will Hammond is very accurate. He has a big arm and he's accurate. And that's a really good combination. 6'2, 195. So not really huge. He's not small either. 
Um, he could run some. He's not, again, a guy you think about, oh, no, you know, he's a big threat as a runner, but he could run. Uh, and then uh, just that accuracy. I mean, when you look at Elite 11, that's really what's valued is arm strength and, and accuracy, being consistently accurate. Will Hammond was a guy that, oh, I don't, he didn't have any power offers for sure. He may not have had any offers. When this time last year, he came out to a camp and threw, and Zach Kidley offered him after seeing him throw you know, in person. And then now he's blown up, and uh, he is a red raider. He's told me that I'm never, I'm not switching. I'm gonna, I'm going to Texas Tech. That's my my squad. But I mean, he's picked up big offers since then: Auburn, Houston, Oklahoma State. Uh, it's a really uh, pretty imp- impressive list. Uh, Oregon, Penn State, Tennessee, A and M. All those schools have offered since Tech offered was on them, and that goes back to the you know the evaluation process and that how good the staff is of doing that and getting in on these guys early. And, uh, you know, now Hammond's going to the Elite 11. And that's – there have not been a lot of Red Raider quarterbacks who have gone to the Elite 11. I mean, that truly is what it is. It's, it's elite. The elite quarterbacks who have been tested in regional camps and chosen to compete on a national stage. I believe it will be on ESPN. and uh, They'll get a lot of coverage. and it's, it's They get to work with – like I know Trent Dilfer's been a big part of it in terms of working with young quarterbacks through the Elite 11. Um, and, I, you know, I actually caught up with Will Hammond about this opportunity and getting selected to, to go to the Elite 11 and, and got his reaction. He said, my initial reaction was just, wow, I'm extremely excited and ready to compete with the best of the best. I will grow a ton and, and create relationships that will last forever. And I, I love that, what Will said at the end, in terms of grow a ton and create relationships that will last forever, because I think he will. I really do. And uh, I think the exposure could, could even help uh, maybe with some late uh, additions, late late commits, seeing Tech's quarterback. And he's just he's rated as a three-star. That may go up with him going to the Elite 11. And he's a pretty high three-star at 88, uh, 88.92. That's almost 89. Once you start getting in the 90s, you're – you start dipping into becoming a four-star recruit, but um, he's a, still a top 100, uh, top 75 Texas uh, rec- overall recruit in Texas, and considered the number 27 quarterback in the country. So he's—I mean—he's already rated pretty high up there. Uh, but I expect that to go up with with a strong showing in the Elite 11, and then maybe even a final rankings with how he performs his senior season, but. Great opportunity for Texas Tech, and it's another opportunity for someone to rep the double T on, on a pretty big stage uh, in terms of, like, high school football. That's, that's one of the biggest stages that uh, there is. So you brought up uh, ratings. Which players might be getting bumps, like Casey Poe, where the composite is higher than, uh, you know, like 27, uh, 24-7 right now? I think maybe Trey Jackson, if he has a good season, is one. Um, he's your he's a tight end commit out of South Oak Cliff. Uh, actually, had a touchdown grab in the state championship game last year. Oak Cliff, you know, two time defending state champs. Uh, Jacob Ponton is another one. He's a six seven offensive tackle. That's you know he's listed at two sixty five. I think he's actually like two seventy five now. But uh, he's someone with a great frame and great upside. Right now, he's a three star, ranked one hundred twenty seventh in the state. I can see him getting up there in the top one hundred. Same thing with Casey Wong, another offensive line commit out of shallow water, 6'6", 250. If he grows into his body, if shallow water makes a run and he gets more exposure next year, I could see him getting bumped up a little bit. Maybe even Holden Hendricks. 
Uh, he's somebody who committed to Tech pretty early. I mean, he was still being recruited pretty hard by other schools. But, uh, you know, I think sometimes when they commit early that, uh, so, like, some of the like the, the bumps don't happen because they're not hearing them. It's just kind of – it's not intentional. It's just if someone's not getting mentioned in recruiting circles about, you know, this school's going after that guy, this school's going – you know, this other school's going after that guy – Sometimes they get lost in the in the weeds a little bit in terms of rankings, but uh, uh, you know I really liked him. Ivan carry on your six six receiver commit out of Odessa High. He's already a top you know fifty player in Texas and a four star guy. So I don't know if he'll go up or not, but I really like his upside. You know, and then Ophelia, uh already got that bump like you mentioned. You know, top forty in the state, top two hundred nationally, regardless of position, and uh, top twenty at his position nationally. So. I don't know if he'll get another one or not, but, uh, you know, yeah, he already got a pretty significant one there. All right, the uh, Joey McGuire ratings bump uh, seems to be happening. Uh, yeah, and James Blanchard. I, mean, I think I'd be – even Brian Nance, you got to mention those guys. Um, you know, we, we talked about it uh, with McGuire about the process and how they kind of cut out some red tape so they can offer guys earlier with James Blanchard having a green light, but – uh, the way they evaluate talent and everything is it's gotten around um, and what tech is doing in terms of recruiting rankings um, you know there's a lot of respect for Joey McGuire and James Blanchard uh, in the recruiting world in the recruiting rankings world there's no doubt and it's been really interesting to see as somebody you know I've covered Texas Tech football recruiting pretty hard for a better part of a decade now and I followed it before that of course um, even before I got into the hardcore, you know, working for 247 or Scout or whatever. And it's always been the other way, you know. Tech gets a commit, and, you know, he's a pretty solidly ranked guy, and then all of a sudden he, you know, after a couple of uh, rankings updates, they're down the list, you know, 40 spots or what have you. And that seemed to happen more times than not. And now with McGuire and Blanchard and the reputation they have, they're rightfully so. Uh, you see it going the other way. Maybe not to that extreme, but you're definitely seeing it some. And it's all based on, like you said, the respect these recruiting services have for, for McGuire and Blanchard. Yeah, so, Jared, if you signed Poe, Hudson, or Ellis, which would you think would be a, a game changer for this class? Well, I mean, obviously Hudson. But I think Tech, I, I really do believe Tech is leading for Micah Hudson, the five-star receiver who's visiting the weekend of the 16th. Uh, through the 18th. It's a great relationship between him and the staff. He's got some ties to the program, and I think he knows he could come in and make an impact like very soon, if not his first season. Um, you know, I, some of these safeties, like I already mentioned um, Peyton Morgan, four-star safety, but Ashton Hampton's another guy. He's not as highly rated, but I really like his game. Chris Wacomo is from Arlington Bowie, which is uh, assistant coach Kenny Perry's old stomping ground, and you know, uh, is a is a place that in the Metroplex that definitely a lot of talents come through there. Even when they haven't had like great teams, like when Kenny Perry wasn't there, uh, a lot of talent comes through Arlington. And that's my like my hood where I grew up, and there's just always been a lot of talent coming through that program. Uh, so getting a, a safety like Chris Wakoma, who is one of those thumper type safeties, very much like Brandon Jordan, who is early enrollee, is already second team at at Star. Uh, I think I can see him playing that position uh, at Texas Tech. So the, maybe these guys aren't the highly rated guys, but I, these are really good players coming from really good programs who you 
it's a numbers game. You never really know what a guy's motivation is, how he's going to develop and all that. But I always feel really good about if you get those kind of guys. Now, Casey Poe, I don't know if, if, if Tech is really going to land him or not. But uh, I, I do feel good, already good about this offensive line class. And I think Ellis Davis is somebody to watch there as well. Um, one other guy I, I want to mention, and I mentioned him last week, uh, but Joseph Jonah Ajanye, you know, you're talking about a four-star defensive lineman. Um, I can't, you know, I can't believe he's kind of lost in the shuffle of this. Uh, but, you know, you're basically in a final four of Georgia, Texas, OU, and Texas Tech is who he's really considering. I know. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and he <laughs> is visiting, actually visiting Georgia Tech this weekend. So somebody else in the mix. But then Tech, and then Oklahoma, and then Georgia. So you're in the middle there, and you really got to make a strong impression. There's one crystal ball prediction for him to Oklahoma, but it is Oklahoma. Uh, 6'4", 255 out of Conroe, Texas. Powerful player. Uh, He's borderline uh, top 10 in Texas, regardless of position. Uh, Top 60 nationally, regardless of position. Top 10 defensive linemen in the country. I mean, if you get him and Micah Hudson... And Ellis Davis, and then start getting some of these other guys that aren't as highly rated, but are, you know, I feel very strong that are, are good football players. I mean, look out. What a great class, you know? I mean, you're already talking about a Lee 11 quarterback. You got some other, you know, like receiver types, big targets, uh, four star uh, guy uh, up front on defense, you know, edge rusher type. I mean, come on. This, this is ridiculous what, what they're doing. Um, in recruiting overall, but with this class, if you if you're able to pull that off these two weekends, then just look out. So you have two unranked safeties on your list, Williamson and Wokoma. Is it easy to get an official visit? And what do you see in these two players? No, no, that's a really good question. This McGuire told me I'll just share like only the top targets are because it's a smaller class. Like just in general. The official visit is more serious because of the nature of what it is, of course, you know, with, the, with the, the school having to cover it, the expenses of it. So, obviously, all these guys are seriously being considered. None of them are like, no, we're not really interested in those guys. Um, now, there's only so many spots and the way that works and whether you take them immediately or you wait and see one another, you know, no, that's debatable. But every one of these guys that are confirmed visitors are – Serious uh, targets. I mean, serious options to add. And like, a, like, what do we see in a guy like Chris Wakoma? Well, I see a dude with with a good frame for a safety at six foot one eighty. He plays great competition here in the Metroplex, the highest level of uh, Texas high school football. Uh, now he is one of those guys that will come up and hit you, um, but he's also pretty dang good in coverage. Um, so I see versatility. I see physicality. He's obviously fast, plays good competition, and he comes from a program that is very well known by this coaching staff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised he's unranked, to be honest. Uh, yeah, to me, he's a, a solid mid to high three star for sure. And uh, he's the kind of dude that, I mean, that is unheralded in terms of when you talk about on signing day, but then he ends up by year two or three he's a starter and he's a great player for him I mean that happens a lot uh, throughout college football where he may not be the most heralded guy but 
look, he's, this guy's clearly a good football player. With given the opportunity, and he's able to develop. And yeah, you know, look out. All right, so Jared, I know you're at the beach, but can you, uh, you know, can we talk you into coming back for one more segment? Let's do it. All right, all right, you said it. All right, we're gonna hold you to it here. Coming up more inside the RedRaiders.com recruiting with Jared. Uh, you know what has Texas Tech done in the portal so far? Are they relying on the portal? You know for the future, we'll uh, discuss that and more when we come back here on the Red Raider Outfitter Rock and Pregame Live from Bubba's Thirty Three on. Ro- is Outfitter Rock and Pregame on Rock One Hundred One Point One with Pete Christie, Jared Johnson, Sean Dillon, and the host of the Rock and Pregame, Jeff Scott. I just wanted to mention uh, here, as far as the weather goes, you know, we got a big chance of more rain and thunderstorms today. But at the moment, uh, we do have a tornado watch for our area. Also a flood watch, too. So, I mean, gosh, we've had so much rain. It, it doesn't take uh, it doesn't take much to cause some flooding. So uh, that's kind of the latest that's going on uh, with the weather around the South Plains today. From 24-7 Sports, it's Inside the Red Raiders Recruiting with Jarrett Johnson. All right, so, uh, Jarrett, what has Texas Tech done in the portal so far, and are they relying on the portal for the future? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what I love is that, look, Tech is clearly valuing high school recruits and developing guys from the high school ranks. But, man, they are also, uh, I mean, they're still relying heavily on the portal. I mean, look at guys that are going to play big, key roles here coming up, uh, you know, Steve Linton, from, who uh, transferred in from Syracuse. We saw this spring. We saw him in the spring game look almost unblockable. Um, you know, he's going to start. And McGuire said, you know, he expects to hear his name called, you know, in the NFL draft one day. I mean, and, uh, you know, 6'5", 235, uh, known as just a very good, gifted pass rusher. So that's somebody to watch. Rusty Stott, Stats is uh, – Probably easy is. If healthy, he's going to be your starting center. I mean, that's a really important position. One of your top five, arguably one of the top five most important positions on a football team. Um, so that's huge. Uh, DeAndre McCray, a receiver from Austin P. Uh, speed guy. He's going to be in your two deep on the outside at receiver. <clears throat> and with Tech having multiple, like, bigger targets, Having a guy who's known as just a burner, he's probably the fastest guy on the team or one of the fastest guys on the team. Uh, you know, he can really open up some things for the rest of the offense. That's huge. Quincy Ledette will be a, uh, very important depth piece as a defensive tackle coming over from Louisiana Monroe. You know, you got Tony Bradford, you got Jalen Hutchings, those two stalwarts there in uh, the interior of the defensive line, but you need, they need a break. You don't want those guys playing every snap and Quincy Ledette. Is somebody big, three hundred pound dude um, who fills that role. Like there shouldn't be too much of a drop off when he is inserted for one of those guys. C.J. Baskerville, who for my money he was the star of the spring game. He's going to be your starting star, uh, replacing Muddy Waters. Uh, he transferred in from San Diego State. He's a native Texan, but has a really good frame. He's six two one eighty. He looks big. One of those guys that looks bigger than that. It's fast. He showed some real versatility this spring, including the spring game by, uh, you know, he picked off Tyler Shuck, was really good in coverage out of the slot and uh, on slot receivers, but also was uh, held up, like, really, really well in the running game. 
Uh, so I really like CJ basketball. I mean, these guys are really important players. And then Tech just uh, added another important piece from Braylon Lux. I believe Saturday he announced his commitment after visiting earlier in the week um, from Fresno State. He's, he actually was a walk-on at Fresno State and then became a multi-year starter um, and performed well. Then he got injured last year. And then he was uh, – I haven't really seen this reported in many places, but he was uh, suspended from the team. And I honestly don't know why he got suspended uh, in the spring by Fresno State, but he was. They said violation of team rules. Uh, he entered the portal, and now, you know, he's a dude that, and obviously, and I really believe this about McGuire. I'm not just trying to, like, say he, he won't make mistakes, but if they really thought that the problem for why he was dismissed was that grievous, like, I've seen it with guys that wanted to come to Tech that were really talented, that they said, no, we can't. We can't mess with the culture like that. So I don't think McGuire would bring in somebody who can mess with that because the value just isn't there, uh, even as it is, to mess with the culture. But Lux does bring value in that he's a proven veteran at the Division One level uh, who is going to you know, be able to play snaps at a position where Tech doesn't have a lot of depth. At cornerback, they bring back Brayshaw Williams. They bring back Malik Dunlap, two all Big 12 caliber corners, um, multi-year starters. But then after that, you have a lot of guys that you like but who haven't done it yet, or not even a lot of guys. You have a couple of guys. One of those being Marion Horn, who I think is going to be very good. Um, another guy is Jordan Sanford, but he's a true freshman. He's an early enrollee. So I don't, you don't really want true freshmen in your, in your two deep. But uh, that's where Braylon Lux comes in. He could be your other two deep corner. Gives you, a uh, again, a lot of versatility with your roster. Rayshad Williams has battled some injuries this offseason. He's expected to be full full go by fall camp. And uh, Malik Dunlap was actually played in the spring game, so he's good to go, too. But, you know, you're just one injury away from it costing you a game or, or two here. And Tech has big aspirations of winning the Big 12 and, you know, legitimate uh, aspirations of, of challenging for that title. And, you know, you can't you can't – Make it. You can't allow it to be where one injury can just cost you everything. And I think Braylon Lux is a stopgap there, a depth added piece, much like Keon Blakenbaker, who transferred from Wyoming last off season, and he played. You know, he didn't have like a monster season, but having that depth there um, and having somebody to spell some some of the other DBs was was huge. It was important. So uh, that's that's where you get with Lux. Um, in terms of other guys, they might add or at least positions. I think linebacker is another place they'd like to add. Probably, you know, especially inside linebacker, they'd like to add some depth. Um, I think running back is also uh, another position, and they might, maybe not, with getting Lux, though it's a different defensive back position, they might look at another safety as well, too. But linebacker, maybe tight end, I don't know. I mean, they, they like their three tight ends, but there's been some injuries there, so... There's, they're still, they're still doing some things. They're always making moves, requiring them. But uh, those are the main positions that I've heard been informed that they're that they're looking at. All right, Jared. Well, thank you for uh, you know soldiering through here. I know you're uh, spending time at the beach, so we appreciate you uh, taking time out from the sand and surf. 
uh, and working on your beautiful golden tan to uh, be with us here on the Rockin' pregame today. So, um, all right, and then uh, coming up here, the rundown, three questions. We'll get to that here in a minute. Uh, update you real quick, Texas Tech and the Gainesville Regional, 3 nothing. Uh, moving to the bottom of the seventh, they got out of a jam in the uh, the bottom of the sixth. Uh, I guess UConn had two on, but uh, Molina pitched out of that jam, and Tech still leading three to nothing. So we got the rundown coming up next here on the Red Raider Outfit of Rock and Pregame live from Bubba's 33 on Rock. Three questions. Let's go for Pete for the rundown. Bryce Ramirez was designated uh, this season for the Red Raider, who best represents the standards of the brand. He will be the person that wears the number three this year. Who's going to be the next person who play, who wears it after Bryce? Oh, gee. I, uh, <laughs> that's a tough one, man. I mean, Bryce uh, actually has a couple more years he could play, so he could keep it. For, I think he's got three more years, or at least two. I, I forgot what he told me at the lunch we had with him, but he's got time, so I think he's going to keep it a while. But, I mean, the next one to get it, yeah, I hate to not give you an answer, but, you know, there are a lot of good kids on this team and kids coming who have great stories. So I'm just going to wait to see who wears number three, uh, like all of us. It's going to be an honor, whoever does get to wear it. That was hedging. That was hedging. Boy. Yeah, that was hedging. Boy, that's a lot of hedging. Not allowed on the rundown, I don't think. Uh, rundown question for Jeff. Will the Red Raiders sign Micah Hudson? Five-star wide receiver, big stud, would be the perfect addition for the Red Raiders. You know what? I, I like what Jarrett talked about uh, in, earlier when we were talking about recruiting. He seems to be pretty optimistic, and I am in an unprecedented, optimistic Jeff mood for Whoa! Texas Tech football. So, you know what? You, you caught me on a good day. I think they sign him. I think it's going to be huge. So, that is yeah. going to be huge. All right, Sean, rundown question for you. Which Lubbock Matadors player will score the most goals in the next three games? Those being uh, versus Fort Worth tonight. Then you got Central Texas and then uh, CF10 Houston. Okay, I'm going to go with someone who was on the Rock and Pregame last week, Marcus Krogstad. Going to make some uh, some noise. Him and uh, Mitar. One of those two, but I think Marcus is going to be that. And that, my friends, is your rundown. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today. And uh, remember, we've got a tornado watch and flood watch. I mean, man, crazy weather going on uh, right now this time of year. All this rain we've had. But never, we're never going to complain about rain. But uh, just keep an eye on the weather today. This has been the Red Raider Outfitter Rockin' Pregame, live from Bubba's 33 on Rock 1.